Cultivating a Spiritually Grounded Marriage on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, Sean Perron and Spencer Harmon are back with us again to talk about this very important topic. This is the topic of a book that they have, Letters to a Romantic, The First Years of Marriage. And this has been an interesting topic for them to write on as they're describing some of their experiences working through the process of dating, working through the process of engagement, and now through their own first years of marriage, describing what the Lord has taught them and what has been helpful uh, as they try to root their marriage in the scriptures and build it spiritually strong from the early years. Sean is now the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, where he serves and lives with his wife, Jenny Perone, and they have a son named Chandler, who is their great delight, and it's fun to watch Sean interact as a, as a father, he and Jenny both, with, with Chandler there. Spencer Harmon also is serving down at First Baptist Church in Jacksonville. He's the campus pastor at their Nocatee campus there on the south side of Jacksonville. So grateful for Spencer and his service there. He and Taylor, they currently live down in the Nocatee area and love living in Jacksonville and serving the local church there. This week, Taryn DeFevers, our communications coordinator, was able to sit down with uh, both of these guys and to talk through some of these ideas in the early years of marriage that have been helpful from the Scriptures and how useful the Scripture is in building a spiritually grounded marriage early on. So let's listen in to Taryn as he, he talks with Sean and Spencer on this topic of the early years of marriage. Thanks, Dale. I'm really excited to be here with two close brothers in Christ, two great friends, two men that I've also worked with and um, have just enjoyed the experience of having great friendship with them. And so I'm really thankful that Sean Perone and Spencer Harmon are with us today in the podcast room. And they're going to be talking about the early years of, of marriage. And they recently wrote a book entitled Letters to a Romantic, The First Years. Sean and Spencer wrote this book as, as in many ways, peers to those in early marriages, but those right out of the season of the first five years of marriage. And they write with great wisdom and great love for God's Word and bringing God's Word into the first five years of marriage. Marriage is such a crucial part that the Scriptures speak to, and it does speak to the early years of marriage. And Sean and Spencer have given a lot of time thinking about this in their own lives and in this book that they've written. Sean and Spencer, I want to ask you guys, what is most important? for a husband and a wife to be thinking about in the first five years of their marriage? Yeah, so the typical things that uh, counselors uh, encounter in uh, the early years of marriage include uh, money issues, uh, sexual issues, uh, relationships with in-laws, conflict. Uh, those are kind of the big, heavy uh, heavy things that uh, young couples face. And we, we cover all of those issues uh, in some way or shape or form in the book. Uh, but I would say when you're thinking about the first of first importance, I would include two things in that, um, and they're related. So 1 Corinthians 15 uh, talks about, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, upon which you received, and upon which you have taken your stand, and upon which, by which you will be saved, if you hold fast to the word I have proclaimed to you. So he says the gospel is of first importance. And then when you think of the Sermon on the Mount, you think of 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And uh, Jesus places the priority in marriage and in every stage of life, for that matter, as himself. So knowing God, loving God, honoring God, uh, bringing glory to God, whether you eat or drink or have sex or spend your money or have a conversation with your in-laws, do it all to the glory of God. Um, so I think cultivating a spiritual marriage um, has to be uh, among the priority of what we're talking about with couples. Uh, I, I think with a spiritual marriage, you're going uh, to hit all the different areas of your life, um, and you're going to impact them in ways uh, that uh, you would not think about if you weren't pursuing Christ first, as the Bible calls us to pursue Christ first. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Spencer? Is that near far from what you're thinking? Yeah, I think that when you're thinking about all the different various problems that are coming up in the first five years of marriage, uh, it can be really overwhelming for couples. It can be really overwhelming. Well, what are we going to do about this and this and this? And then we have these financial troubles and, oh my goodness, we just found out we're pregnant and we're trying to settle on what church we want to go to. I mean, just all these different problems that come up in marriage. And I think the most important thing we want to do as we're trying to help people is aim for their hearts and try to help them put God's word at the very center of their family life and to say, focus uh, your attention as a family and cultivating the type of marriage that is spiritual. And so one of the things we're trying to do in our book is to turn people regularly to the to the same source of wisdom and help and solutions, which is found in God's word and most clearly displayed in the gospel itself. So I think that's one of the most primary questions uh, that we're trying to answer is not just, okay, what are the answers to all these particular questions, but also say, what is the source of wisdom that we can go to again and again in the first five years of marriage and every single year after that, that will set couples up to have access to the wisdom that they need to answer the common and complex problems that they're going to face in marriage. And you think about famous passages like Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It's that man or woman that will be like a tree that's planted by the streams of water that bears fruit in due season. And that psalm is ultimately fulfilled in the blessed man who is Jesus Christ. So you and I, uh, unfortunately, we all uh, don't meditate on the law of the Lord day and night like we ought, and we don't obey it, and we don't bear fruit. Uh, but Jesus always obeyed Psalm 1. He always uh, meditated in delight upon the law of the Lord and followed through in obedience. And it's not just that we have the Word first and foremost, but that we know who the Word points to, which is the true blessed man, Jesus Christ, in whom we have faith and abide in Him. And when we obey the Word, meditate on it, and then we have faith in Christ and have faith in what the Word points us to, we flourish. And that's what all couples want. They want a flourishing first five years of marriage. They want to be abundant and joyful and have life. And Jesus has all of those things for every couple. Amen. That's an excellent foundation laid for a marriage. Let's try an example with this. I think it'll be helpful for our listeners in bringing God's word into your marriage as a foundation. Let's say a couple has been married for a year or so, and they they feel within themselves that they have, they have fallen out of love. The, the, the affection or feelings 
that are were there when they were dating and in the first few months of, of marriage have seemed to have waned. And so the feeling is, I don't feel like I love this person like I like I once did. I, it's not. It's easy for me to to want to to give of myself to them as it was before. What is wrong in the marriage? What should I do? How are you to think about that biblically? If I was looking at a couple that said to me, "I don't know what to do. I feel like I don't have the feelings that I once had for my spouse." I think I would look at them and the first thing I would say would be your marriage was made for this. Like this is the point of the uh, marriage covenant that when, when God designed marriage, he didn't first design it to be a place of warm, fuzzy feelings. Uh, Those can happen in marriage as you are uh, loving your spouse and seeking to cultivate uh, affection for them. But the, the main thing is that he calls us to, Uh, be a model of his covenant-keeping love. So Ephesians 5 tells us that the marriage covenant, its primary purpose is to display the relationship between Christ and the church. And so I'd say, you know what? Actually, God designed your marriage for seasons like this. Your covenant of marriage is meant to keep you and fortify you in seasons of life when you are uh, fluctuating and when you feel like you're not sturdy. Uh, The strength of your marriage comes uh, from outside of you, uh, from the model that we're given in Scripture in Ephesians 5. But in a really practical way, this is, I think, where um, you really see uh, God's Word uh, powerfully working in the life of a couple because you can give them real direction. So as I'm thinking about couples who come to me and they say, I'm struggling with uh, affection for my spouse. I'm struggling with even wanting to be married. I've had some friends that have told me, well, maybe you've fallen out of love. Maybe that means you should separate or you should get a divorce. What do you say? I I would say three things to them. I'd say, one, you need to remember what marriage is. So I would go to Ephesians chapter five and say a marriage is meant to be a picture of Christ and the church. And so I would want to encourage them, hey, go with your spouse, go out on a date night and read Ephesians five together. Talk about the calling of marriage on your life. I also think it's a good idea. Take your spouse out to dinner at that same dinner and remember your marriage vows that you spoke to each other. Read over those again. Talk to the pastor that ha- that gave you those marriage vows and read over them again together. And remember the promises that you made before God and people to love and serve and sacrifice for your spouse until death. Uh, remember. Uh, remember your covenant. The second thing I would say to them is that you should repent. Um, oftentimes when couples are in this season of falling out of love, they have gotten into sin habits of... Uh, focusing on every area of their spouse that they don't enjoy, or they've cultivated a grumbling heart that Philippians 2 says we need to combat with thanksgiving in our hearts to the Lord. And it's not a bad thing to confront your spouse when there's sin in their life. That's what Matthew 18 instructs us to do. But Matthew 7 says that the place you start first is you remove the log from your own eye. And so I would say, hey, before you start thinking about all the ways your spouse Uh, is falling short in marriage, you need to focus on yourself. What ways do you need to repent in your own life? And how is that impacting the way that you view your spouse? 
And then the last thing I would say is that we just need renewal. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that the way we grow is by renewing our minds according to God's word. So I would ask a couple, how can you renew your mind and change the way you think about your spouse that lines up better with God's word? And so you can experience renewal and a renewed affection for them that lines up with God's word. I just think those are some general categories in showing just that God's word is sufficient to address even when couples feel like it's hopeless. I don't feel anything when my spouse walks into the room anymore. And and I would just say that God's word has ample resources for you uh, to address those problems. And maybe you're thinking, okay, so that is when I've reached the point of, um, okay, I don't have these affections for my spouse. I don't um, want to uh, be with them. I want to. I want an exit ramp uh, out of the marriage. Uh, before you even get to those places, uh, there are positive things that you can do to cultivate affection and love uh, for one another. And, and I would just go back to what we said earlier. The primary place that you cultivate those things is cultivating first a love and affection for God. When your love and affection for God is white hot and uh, vibrant, uh, that just has to pour out and bleed over into your relationship with uh, the person that you're married to. Uh, If you love God, you will have to love neighbor, and uh, the closest neighbor that you have is the one who sleeps in the same sheets as you do in your bed. They are there all the time, and uh, that is your neighbor to love. And so when we have a love for God that uh, brims over and our cup overflows to um, our spouse. And I, I think then, then we could talk about some practical ways that you can cultivate a spiritual marriage and cultivate a, an affection for, for God in your home that's primary and present. A couple of practical things to think through are what are your informal disciplines and your formal disciplines in your marriage? So uh, we do things all the time uh, intentionally and unintentionally. And if you think of passages that are famous, like Deuteronomy 6, um, you are to think about God's laws and his words um, when you're walking by the wayside, when you are rising, when you're going to sleep, when you are exiting your home, and when you're coming into your home, and your children, when you're walking with your children, uh, you know, I guess back then to the synagogue, and now uh, the application is for when you're driving to uh, the fast food restaurant on the way home from church, and when you are uh, leaving for the park, and you're on a stroll, or when you're going to bed after you put the kids down. Um, What are the formal and informal disciplines that you're cultivating? So, a formal discipline are the, the commands in Scripture. So uh, Don Whitney talks about read, pray, sing. Uh, so there are commands in the Scripture to meditate. We just read one, Psalm 1, meditate on the Bible, pray. Uh, there's all kinds of commands in the Bible to pray together. And then sing, uh, depending on who you talk to and who you count, the singing is the second uh, most often repeated command in the whole Bible. So you're praying, you're reading, you're singing. And so then the question is, are you doing that as a couple. Are you doing that together? Uh, Or are you just leaving that for when you're inside the church walls and you're not doing that at home? And so is there a time when you are cultivating a spiritual marriage through formal disciplines of reading the Bible together, praying together, singing together? And then informal disciplines are those that uh, they just happen naturally, but they don't happen by accident. You have to be intentional. So this is, uh, hey, what do you think about that sermon that we just heard. Let's talk about it. Hey, you read this morning, I saw that you were reading in Psalms. What were you reading in the Psalms this morning? 
um, praying. How can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? Uh, those are the questions that cultivate informal spiritual disciplines, that they breed spiritual conversations. So to be incredibly practical, uh, this does not have to be the same for every family. Uh, there are some families, they wake up in the morning and they read the Bible together. They're going through the, reading through the New Testament in a year, reading through the Old Testament in a year, and they uh, do it in the morning before they get their coffee mug. You know, they Instagram it probably, and they're off, off to start their day. There are other families, they do that at night before bed. There are other families, they do it on their lunch break. There are couples that I know that do it together. There are couples that read the same book of the Bible separately, and they come together and talk about it. There are couples... Uh, I know a couple, they, once a week, they have a designated Sunday prayer night, and that is, they pray for each other uh, before bed when they go to sleep, but then they have a designated Sunday night of the week where they, as a family, get together and they have an extended time in prayer. There's other couples that do that every other week. There's couples that do that every night. The point is not uh, a legalistic um, roadmap, but the point is, here are the informal and formal disciplines you're doing. How are you doing them in your marriage? And I would just say, going off what Spencer said in Ephesians 5, there is a great humility and practice of asking your spouse, how are you doing in these areas? So Ephesians 5 talks about how the call is to nourish and cherish your bride. That's what Jesus does. He nourishes and cherishes the church. So a practice for husbands is to go and say, hey, I was reading Ephesians 5, I heard this podcast, and I have not asked you in a year or two years or ever, how am I doing in nourishing you spiritually? How am I doing in cherishing you? And do you feel loved? Where can I improve? And if you ask that question and you say, you have to say something, you have to tell me one way I can improve. You have to give me one answer of how I can improve in nourishing you and cherishing you. And you have to say something. You can't just say nice things. It has to be, give me a real practical example of how I can do better. That will catapult your marriage in a way that is God-honoring, and you'll flourish, and you'll grow. And it takes humility to do that. And uh, I would just say, what's a simple way, simple question to evaluate uh, where you're at, but it is a practical one that will reap benefits in the long haul. Excellent. Thanks, Sean, and thanks, Spencer. One takeaway from today, if you are just listening to this and wanting to start thinking about this, even as a husband, is to ask the question of your spouse, how am I doing caring for you? That's an excellent first step. Thank you guys for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate it. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, I want to remind you that just this past week, a new book was released by Spencer and Sean in their series, Letters to a Romantic. The title of this book is Letters to a Romantic, The First Years of Marriage. And I want to encourage you, this would be a great gift for so many people in your life. Maybe you are newly married. Maybe you're preparing to be married and you're wondering what that's like. Maybe you know a lot of couples who are in the early years of marriage or preparing for marriage. Uh, This may be a great resource for them that Sean and Spencer talk Uh, biblically and theologically about marriage, also kind of weaving in some of their own personal experiences as this is something they're walking through themselves. Uh, And so I want to encourage you, this has been of interest to you, to get this book. I think it will be a helpful resource in your library or the library of several others uh, who may be preparing for marriage early on. So we will have this in the notes page, and you can find out about this book and other resources that we offer on marriage at biblicalcounseling.com.